Hello and welcome to One Star Bazaar, where we review the movies critics hated in search of the unfairly underrated. This week, we review a superhero movie based on an old-timey radio show based on a pulp comic from the 1930s. Can't wait for the reboot based on the movie, based on the radio show, based on the pulp comic. Anyway. I doubt it'll happen. <laughs> Although a franchise was originally planned, really? Yep. The film performed so poorly that the studio scrapped it. We are watching this week The Shadow. The Shadow. Which was directed by Russell Mulcahy. Do you know who he is? No. <laughs> yes, you do, no. because he made The Highlander and The Highlander 2, The Quickening, one of the worst movies ever made. So much is being explained right now. <laughs> Slight tangent, as we we did do Highlander 2, The Quickening last season. Thanks for that. <laughs> and it was so bad that he, Russell Mulcahy, distanced himself from it and had wanted nothing to do with it, wanted his name taken off the project. But then later went back and made the Renegade version, which, <laughs> which is we watched. Which is what we watched, because it's like the only version you can watch that's even available, and it's still god awful. Okay, The Shadow, directed by Russell Mulcahy, written by David Cope. Cope? Sure. Robert Zemeckis, like that. That Robert, that Zemeckis. Robert Zemeckis. Bob Gale, Howard Franklin. It was released in theaters July 1st of 1994. So they definitely thought it was going to be a big summer blockbuster. <laughs> yes. And stars Alec Baldwin, John Lone, and Penelope Ann Miller. Also, Ian, Sir Ian McKellen is in this film. And yes. Tim Curry. Yes. So this movie is set in 1930s New York City, where the shadow battles his nemesis, Shuan Khan, who is building an atomic bomb. Because of course he is. Yes. It has a 36% on Rotten Tomatoes, which I feel like is shockingly high for, like, this type of movie. Really? We'll, we'll get into it. Okay. Didn't have a rating on Metacritic, but is liked by 87% of Google users. So, here's what some critics had to say. Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times. Every, everybody knows who Roger Ebert Fine. is. I don't think Roger Ebert <laughs> of Roger Ebert. <laughs> Uh, said, if you respond to film noir, if you like dark streets and women with scarlet lips and big fast cars with running boards, the look of this movie will work some kind of magic. Rita Kempley from the Washington Post said, overproduced but underwhelming monolith. Overproduced but underwhelming monolith. I don't know. I feel like the way she worded that is weird. Well, it's not really a full <laughs> sentence. But it's like a that's the That's the point they pulled. I know. Karen James of the New York Times said, It offers a diverting, nostalgic retreat to the innocent days when crime fighting was a pleasant, rich man's hobby. <laughs> All right. Um, so we watched this on Stars? Uh, Showtime, I believe. However, it doesn't matter. It's not there anymore. <laughs> yeah, it, it is gone. It expired, which means in a month or two, it'll probably end up on a different platform like Netflix or Roku or whatever. It doesn't really matter. It's it's going to be one of those films that will just be passed around as generic, you know, filler to fill Definitely out a library. Filler. Um, so, I have a lot of questions about the story of this movie, but I want to stick to our typical categories and not go all. You don't want to. I like to do just just go all over the place. 
No. Okay. We ahead. have an outline and we stick to so it. So here's the thing. Let me first explain. I have seen this movie many times. I liked this movie when I was a kid and I was like a adolescent. This movie came out when I was like eight or nine years old. You have never seen it? I... Or you I might think have seen I it. might have seen it, like maybe I once in syndication. No, I have not seen it since okay. we've been married. All right. If I saw it, I saw it like, like when you after it came out when I was okay. young. Yeah. So I've seen it many times. Um, my, you know, I watched it growing up. Yeah. We had it on Laserdisc. You have not really experienced that, so I'll let you kind of. I know about Laserdisc. No, no, no. I, oh, you just mean, I watching, just mean the movie. watching the movie? Okay. I'll let you steer this discussion because you're the one that's going to be more kind of intrigued. More, you probably have more to say since it's a new experience for you. Okay. You'll probably well, be surprised. I'll be curious if it holds up for you. Okay. But uh, I want to talk about the acting in this movie. Okay. So it has. I don't want to fault it for this, but it does have a very you know, Lone Ranger style, campy, vaudevillian sort of yeah. very clear bad guys, very clear good guys. And the acting's like a little bit over the top, but that's okay because it like fits in with the setting of the movie. Right. Like it's supposed to be kind of campy. Yeah. So the two movies I'd like to bring up to kind of compare the context of this film okay. are Batman... Which From one? 1989, <laughs> okay. starring Michael Keaton. Yes. And of course, Batman Returns also had come out before this. But In fact, while we were watching this movie, I turned to him and I was like, did they just reuse some of the sets from Batman? It like, could be. When, when did this come out? <laughs> um, so that, and then also Dick Tracy, which came out a year later in 1990. Which I have also seen once, okay. I think. And that especially... I feel like was maybe what made somebody think, hey, this would be another good idea to, you know, use like an IP from this era of radio detective, you know, mystery, you know, Batman-esque vigilante type pulp heroes, right? Yeah. And Dick Tracy very much kept kind of a bright, vibrant, weird, but also like 1940s vibe. Right, it's a very colorful film. If yeah, you've seen it. I mean, like in looking, all I remember from Dick Tracy is he wears like a yellow like, yeah. trench coat or and, something. And basically, all but of the bad all guys... it makes me think of is Sin City, right? Because they have the same kind yeah, of yeah, that kind of yeah. It's, it's like a, it's very serious, but at the same time, the color palette is almost a little campy, but it's mm -hmm. supposed to be to kind of show the contrast of the darkness of the characters and the grittiness and the film noir. It's supposed to kind of be that contrasting thing. Yeah. And then Batman also was very modern. I mean, was modern as far as, like, it's set in the modern day. It's not set back in the day. But Gotham, Tim Burton had directed that film very much with this, hey, let's make everything look very, like, dark 1930s yeah, New York. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. This film kind of has the same thing, except it actually is set, along with Dick Tracy, it is set back in that time period. Right. But you very much have this kind of film noir big New York skyline. He goes out at night hunting mobsters yeah. kind of thing. And like very art deco with all the clubs and restaurants and right. hotels and whatever else they go visit because that was right. kind of the time. What was in style. And of time. course, this has nothing to do with the acting. So, miss, let's keep it on track here. <laughs> You're the one who got us off on this tangent. Okay. Um, overall, I'm going to say I don't think 
acting was a fault of this movie. Right. Well, and if it was, it was intentionally, yeah. like you say, supposed to be play up the campiness. Tim Curry is very over the top in his role, especially that, as he goes. Tim Curry. He, like, right. Right. <laughs> he's he, so good at that. He kind of goes mad with power as being the the henchman who's been, you know, recruited by the. Yeah, villain. he's like the right hand man of the. Right. The con who's trying to take over the world. Right. And then, um, so Penelope Ann Miller, when I was watching this movie, I was like, I know her name. I know she was in other movies in the 90s. I don't know if she just, like, I don't know anything about her except that I know her name. (laughs) And I'm like, and she's attractive. Like, she's not horrible. Like, I just wonder, like, her and, like, you have Kim Basinger, who was in Batman. Yeah. And, like, later on was in one of my favorite Horror movies, I like Confidential. Right. Like, I'm like, where did, where did this chick go? And why is she not, you know, why does she not have a bigger career, I guess? I don't know. Maybe. Did you Google it? No. I mean. Oh. Well, Google it. No. I Well, I did Google, like, what else <laughs> she was in and not much. And I don't know why. Like, it's not like there's, oh, because of this. So now on to the story. I... Was so confused in this movie. Now, granted, it's based on a series of, of not like comic book comics like we know them. Like, kind of like the pulp serial. Like, yeah, like radio serials. Yeah. Um, Same thing as like the Rocketeer, which is also this yeah. era of, you know, the film. It also came out around this time. Was based on like old school movie serials that Mm -hmm. came before the movies. Yeah. This was based on that kind of idea, except it was a radio show. Yeah. But in looking at it and researching for this episode, it does seem like there had been other adaptations of The Shadow, either for like TV or something in like the thirties. Like when it first came out, there were like other versions before this movie. So I don't know if they were expecting people to already know the story so it's not very clear that in the beginning, Alec Baldwin, we are to infer. Okay. When we, when we first meet him, yeah. he's like a warlord yes. in Asia somewhere. Yes. And it's not clear that he's basically Bruce Wayne. <laughs> right. So he is a very rich playboy who got tired of the world after World War I. Sure. Okay. And was like, I'm going to go be a warlord. So he like leaves his fancy Manhattan life and goes off to be a drug runner in wherever that. It's actually not even clear that that's what happened because we don't know if he had money before or if he had money as a result of being a warlord. The reason I'm going to think he had money before, not just because I researched this, but because his uncle... So he has like a very prim and proper, like Rockefeller-esque uncle who's always taking him to these fancy restaurants where they're always eating and complaining that his nephew is like a loafer who like just shows up late and whatever. True. At the same time, though, his uncle is basically like the police commissioner. But he's also, he's wearing like a tuxedo. No, I know. I'm just saying, well, I'm just saying. Then he's a rich. I guess. Corrupt police commissioner. Well, I don't think he's, he's not necessarily he's corrupt, loaded. but yeah, it's definitely, it would be interesting if he was, he bought that position, if yeah. he was connected, or if it was just, maybe, I mean, who knows? Maybe I don't it was, know. It seems to me that he's... Maybe it was his mom's brother, and it's not really, yeah. you know, he's I don't from know. the money it side. It seems like he has, he had money to okay, begin sure. with. So basically, what you're saying, and this is kind of the parallel for now in 2019, 
imagine the beginning of Batman Begins. Yeah. <laughs> except that instead of going off and just becoming disillusioned with the world. And joining a weird like, Mongolian ima- fight yeah. club. <laughs> imagine if Bruce Wayne had just like gone off the deep end and become evil. Yeah. And then he becomes Batman as a way to atone for having been evil versus what actually happens in Batman Begins. Yeah. Right. Right. So, so yes. So he becomes evil, but then he comes across these like monks. He gets kidnapped. He by gets the monks. kidnapped by these monks who are like, Hey, we have this magical talking dagger. <laughs> That's not really pert. I mean, Yes. That's but... pertinent to the story. It comes up later. Yes, it is. But that's not like the main thing they so, have. Hold on. They have <laughs> a magical talking dagger that then imbues him and they teach him the power of like thought, essentially. So he can like overpower people with his mind. Yes. He's, te- he's telepathic. He's telepathic, but not like that he can just hear what you're thinking. It's like he can make you do stuff. So... He's like, oh, the uh, from Jessica Jones, the David Tennant. Who does he play? He's the um the master. The uh no, oh gosh, I don't know. I'm forgetting. Whatever, he's that guy. You mean look it up? Yes. So he can do, he can make you do whatever he wants with his mind, okay. and sometimes that's good, and sometimes that's bad. But so they send him to New York or back to New York because basically they have this idea that some great evil is coming and he needs to fight it. Okay. So, Purple Man? No. David, David Tennant's Tennant name is, is not Man. Purple Man. I'm just looking at the cast on there. You can cut this out. It's not Purple I Man. I know it's not. It's like... They call him something. Is it Kilgrave? Kilgrave! Thank you. Yes. Okay. Kilgrave. He's like Kilgrave and Jessica Jones. So, yeah. okay. But then... Later, after he meets Penelope and Miller, she's also who telepathic. is also telepathic, but just naturally and naturally telepathic, of course. Um, he like has like these weird flashbacks, and like he's always like laughing. He's like, "Ha ha ha ha! ha I'm okay. the shadow." Can I stop you for a second? Yes, please do. <laughs> okay, here's here's the story. Okay, <laughs> my assumption is he has some sort of innate telepathic ability. Okay. okay. Maybe he used that without really realizing it to amass the power and influence over his men to let him become this warlord in Asia after World War One. Okay. Okay, so now he is powerful because he runs all these drugs and opium and whatever to the rest of the world. And he like he's called the butcher of Lhasa. Something by the, yeah. When the when the bad guy shows up, he's like, Oh, I'm a big fan of yours. Like you're the butcher, like you're awesome, like yeah. you're ruthless. And he's like, yeah, I'm not evil anymore. So I'm good now. <laughs> he gets kidnapped by these monks who mm-hmm. are like, hey, you're evil, but you also have this power, and we're going to train you, kind of like Batman being inducted by the... Um, Ra's al Ghul. Yeah, Ra's al Ghul, except it's a flip side thing because it's, we're going to take is, you from being bad... What is called? The Shadow or something? The, sh- the League of Shadows. League of the, Shadows, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah. So instead of your so instead of hey we want you to be kind of our version of what we think is self-righteously good even though we're evil and then Batman's like no I'm going to stop you it's kind of the opposite it's like hey you're evil but you have this power we're going to train you to harness that power and we're going to make you want to atone for your sins cuz you've been done all this bad stuff yeah but i also think i remember a part where they're like we feel like something bad is coming and like we need you to help stop it yeah, maybe 
I don't I think know. that happened. Okay. For someone who's liked this movie and seen it a lot of times, okay. you should know that. Anyway. I should know the thing that you're possibly <laughs> making up. Stop. Don't you just don't dump work. into the next thing. I'm not done. I'm not Okay. Okay. So, he, the shadow, uses his telepathic abilities to cloud men's minds. So, essentially, he can appear, like, invisible to them because he blocks their ability to see and perceive and, you know, he he can... Use infiltrate their brain with his powers to block them from you know. It's like the the Jedi thing where it's like you we're right. not here. Kind of that, yeah. that that kind of thing. So like imagine Batman with Jedi powers. Yeah, Jedi mind powers. But but the thing is, he can hide his body, but he can't hide his shadow. Sure. So he always yeah. appears as a shadow, right? Even because he's physically there. What's but interesting they can't too see is him. that he also like makes himself look different. So like, that was the part that baffled me. Okay, <laughs> so when he's when he's the shadow and he's out crime fighting, he has like a huge nose. Yeah. And like his he's face like, looks like his eyes look like older or yeah. something, and then he has this weird like red like bandito mask around his face. Yeah, that's kind of his disguise. Yeah. But, so that, like, he physically changes his face to look, like, weird. Right. So he's essentially, like, broadcasting an aura of disguise yeah. around him. So that anybody who does see him, he looks different. He doesn't look like Lamont Cranston, you know, his Bruce Wayne kind of yeah. persona. So when he's laughing, his, that's his whole, like, To con we're just going to continue the Batman metaphor probably for this whole episode because <laughs> it's easy to understand. It is. So his laughing and whatever... I don't know if that was confusing to you. That's just his power of intimidation, the same way Batman uses in okay. Batman Begins. Because I thought, because then the villain guy, uh -huh. who we later meet, who is a descendant of Genghis Khan. Yes. Who wants to take over the world. Which, for the record, are like most people most, on Earth descendants of Genghis are, Khan? Yeah. Okay. But he, yeah, he was like trapped in a tomb for a long time. Now he's woken up. He wants to take over the world. I don't know if he was so much trapped in the tomb as the tomb was just the Trojan horse to get him in. No, I think he was trapped. No, I don't think he was. Then why didn't he come before? Come before when? Like, earlier in the world to take Because he the was world. trained to use his mind powers by the same Buddhist monks, but they couldn't turn him, so he killed them. Yeah. Oh, like, no. Okay. But, like... Right. But where was he? It's not like they, like, trained the shadow... And then we're like, oh, hey, just in case, let's get this backup guy. Like, no. they trained him first. No. They trained him second because he killed the bat. He killed the monks when he was done with his training. He was the last person that they trained. But the... Yeah. What? That's, what they do is they take bad people and they try to rehabilitate them and turn them into superheroes, basically, to fight the other bad people. That's just their MO. They oh. clearly... They didn't start out and just say, hey, let's randomly... Do that with the shadow and only him. I thought They've it was been doing like that a, for like hundreds of years. I thought it was like a kung fu panda scenario where like he was gonna He's be the, the he was gonna no. be the the what is it the dragon warrior and that it's oh my gosh it's exactly like kung fu panda okay so the the snow leopard guy who's locked away in the prison yeah. he was the first trainee who thought he was going to be the dragon warrior yeah sure and then no 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 so now lamont cranston comes along he's going to be the dragon warrior and he's poe right okay, sure. and now poe and the snow leopard guy fight to be the ultimate dragon warrior so this is totally the plot of kung fu panda except it's it is exactly no, the plot of kung fu not. panda it's, if 
<laughs> if Master Sifu was evil, this is what it would have been. Like many <laughs> stories in Hollywood, <laughs> there's a lot of similarities all over the place, but that doesn't make them the same movie. Okay, so. Okay, but my other, my point where I was going with this before I went on my Kung Fu Panda tangent yes. is that the bad guy also does that weird laughing thing. So you're just saying it's like, that's how I'm going to psych out my yes, opponent. Yes, to make people paranoid. They don't know where you are. They can't see you. Okay. You throw your voice all over the room. It's coming at them and they're... He did that with Tim Curry to yeah, basically yeah. like drive him crazy. Okay. Okay. And then I'm confused because... Okay, we're going to spoil this movie because it's been out for like... 20... 20 something years. Five years. Okay. So at the end of this movie, they have their big climactic battle between... Okay. The Shadow and... She Won Kong. She Won Kong. Yes. They travel into the dagger? Into some weird, like, mirror world? So they go into the... There's a lot of, the like, casket weird... thing. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, vision... Yeah, kind of... like, are they fighting in, e in each other's minds? It's like yeah, a mirror world? something like that. And they shatter all the... Yeah, the mirrors. And then the all the dagger. mirrors break, and then he, sh he stabs... The bad, guy. the bad guy in the forehead with a shard of mirror. Right. Which destroys the psychic part of his mirror brain. Illusion, so yeah, he can no longer be psychic or right. telekinetic or whatever. Tele what, sure, what, okay. what do you call it? Tele telepathic. Tele yeah. And that's how he defeats him. But like, I'm so confused like where this battle takes place. Like does it's it, not a physical battle. Does it's it like, matter? It has to be explained. It does matter. I you don't know, even it, remember. Okay. Like, so remember in Skyscraper, oh how they go to that mirror room at the top of the thing. Yeah. And it's kind of like that, but it's like in I, their I minds. I think you're right. I think it is kind of a, it's in their minds or like it's vision. It's it's some kind of, yeah, it's like the mirror world in Doctor Strange. Like it is very metaphysical. So yeah. I'll give you that. Super bizarre. I don't know why that. Is that, is that, like, the only thing that ruins this movie for you? Like, everything, oh, it was good until the mirror... No, a couple things, the mirror like, world, and now you me just about lost this movie. Me. Okay. But the overall story makes sense, right? There's the typical, like, yeah. here's our hero, here's our bad guy. Bad guy wants to destroy the world with an atomic bomb. Right. Take over the world. Now, and for the record, the way they're making an atomic bomb, like, makes no sense. Like... Because this and is the confusing. 1930s, so right. like, when was an actual atomic bomb made? Like, they were starting to develop it, like, in the late 30s and early 40s. Okay, so this is before, but, like, this was written before they actually right. knew how to make an atomic bomb. Well, I mean, the movie wasn't written, no. obviously. <laughs> so, one thing that probably you would not have gotten, and I didn't get it, but I read the Wikipedia. Okay. So, he has the coin that he has his scientists analyze from the bad guy. And yeah. he's like, oh, it's bronzium. I didn't think this was real. So apparently that means it's like uranium. Uh -huh. I don't know why they call it bronzium and not just uranium. Because uranium I don't know wasn't uranium, discovered I until guess. whenever. I don't, yeah, and I'm not. It's a, one I'm, of the later elements on the table. Okay, I maybe. I don't know how you're going to Google it and be like, what? Yeah, I'm going to Google it. Okay, so the point is, and they have this whole thing with the beryllium sphere. Yes, and that's they need like, the okay, that's not, sphere. I'm pretty sure that's not how atomic bombs work, but whatever. They... In general, it, it's a rudimentary early atomic bomb because the point is it creates an implosion which then explodes outward. Oh, JK, uranium was discovered in like, 1789. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Plutonium was not invented until 1940, though. There you go. 
So, yes. So they have an atomic bomb. Now, I feel like the biggest criticism for the story of this movie is it's very formulaic. It's generic. It's cheesy. It's kind of dumb. It's like, oh, a bad guy's going to develop an atomic bomb before we really knew what atomic bombs were and destroy the world, right? Yeah. I don't feel like that's any actually worse on a really just basic logical level as like half of the Marvel Cinematic Universe's movies. No, yeah. I mean, like it, all of them are basically, here's a good guy. The bad guy is just the evil version with the same abilities or suit or powers or whatever as the right, bad guy. Exactly. And he wants to like blow up the world or rule the world or do evil stuff to get all this power and money, whatever. That's literally this movie. Yeah. I don't think you can necessarily hold it against this movie, really. I yeah. Mean, it's not no, a great... Can't implementation of that but it's a formula that has been done a lot of yes and it is an engaging story like i mean i wasn't bored watching this right i was just like what you're just confused i think it's not a very long movie right so i feel like they could have added in a little bit more exposition and it wouldn't have hurt sure like we just literally jump into the movie and here's alec baldwin and he's evil and he's he's in bed with like two naked women he has like these crazy long fingernails yeah he like like, opium fingernails and he looks different too like his face is like rough and evil looking yeah and then it like gets softened a lot when he goes back to town and is like yeah playboy billionaire or whatever Here's the thing, since we're talking about that, I'll bring this up. The way, So, as his warlord persona, he's named Yinko, right? Okay. That's like the name he adopted as whatever. So, he, he's Yinko, and what's really weird to me is he has kind of a different voice acting and persona as Yinko, as the evil version of himself that he definitely does not have. Yeah. As Lamont Cranston back in New York, so, right? have you seen The Cat in the Hat? No. Okay, well, I've had to watch it a hundred times with our children this okay. past week, last two weeks. Yeah. He does that again in Cat in the Hat oh, no. because he's, yeah. like, the boyfriend of the mom. Right. And he totally has, like, this salesman, like... Yeah, that's where I'm going with persona, this. persona, so, and then the real him, which oh. is not that. So his Yinko persona basically makes me think of evil Jack Donaghy from 30 oh. <laughs> And at first, I was watching it, and I'm like, oh my gosh, can, is am I never going to be able to see anything except Jack Donaghy whenever I see Alec Baldwin in a movie? And I, luckily, that changes, and he just goes back to like normal kind of guy when he's back and good and everything and being the shadow. Yeah. But like, it's just weird, because... As the bad guy in the beginning, he literally just talks like Jack Donaghy. He has this word. It's like, I just imagine Jack Donaghy going undercover and like being in opium dens as some kind of weird, bizarre comedic storyline on 30 Rock. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly how it would look. I could totally see him doing that on the, in his free time. <laughs> so, anyway, um, it's interesting that you, we pointed out that, um, Robert Zemeckis was a writer on this. Yeah. I have to assume that means he originally was going to direct this film. Maybe. And that, like, he, you know, had a lot of influence on the plot and story, and then he, like, dropped out. Maybe, well, this was 1994, so this is the same year that Forrest Gump came out. Maybe he was like, yeah, I'm going to go, and I'm going to film Forrest Gump instead, or whatever. I don't know. I'm sure that it's there on Wikipedia in the development section. Sure. I really wonder what would what this movie could have been if uh, it had had a good director. Like, <laughs> no offense to no, I'm just no okay. offense. Like, I'm sorry. Like you, you have the guy who directed Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Back to the Future, Forrest Gump, 
right? Yeah. Did he do Castaway too? Did I don't he... know. Yeah, I think he did. Yeah, they did Castaway because they filmed it in two parts and he went and filmed What Lies Beneath while Tom Hanks got super skinny or whatever and they filmed another half. Or vice versa. Um, you have that guy versus you have the guy who did Highlander and Highlander 2. Like, well, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, what this movie, it probably could have been a lot better. It would have been more of like a Dick Tracy kind of thing, which a lot, I mean, I don't, Dick Tracy is not a great movie, but it did get a lot of awards. At the time, it was kind of hailed, the the directing and the art and the styling and the colors and all that that I talked about earlier. People liked that. And I don't think it holds up as much. It's kind of cheesy. Yeah. For nowadays. But I liked it when I was a kid. I liked this movie when I was a kid. So you say this movie is engaging. Yeah, for sure. I agree. Um, do you wish you had not watched it? Um, no. I I mean, I didn't like, I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. I feel kind of ambivalent, ambivalent about this movie. Yeah, like, I can definitely see what they were trying to do. I just don't know if it was executed as well as they wanted it to be. But you, who liked this movie when you were young, do we have the Goonies problem where, like, I loved the Goonies when I was young because I saw it when I was young, so you liked this movie because you saw it when you were young? So what's happening here? Maybe. I don't know. I actually think this movie holds up pretty well. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's not a great movie, but I don't think it's a horrible movie. No, it's definitely not. I honestly, like... I'm not surprised at all that 87% of Google users or whatever liked it. And the thing is... That was very muddled. I'm not surprised at all that most Google viewers liked it. Uh Uh-huh. And the thing about that is Google obviously didn't exist back in the 90s, so that's only people who have watched this movie in the last 10 years. That's true. It it does have a very similar feel to a lot of movies that came out around that time. Like we mentioned, Batman, Dick Tracy... um, Rocketeer. Rocketeer, a whole bunch of those... But like, that movie so it's not, up. it's not so obviously worse than everything else that came out around that time, you know? And it's not obviously better, but it's perfectly on par with all those movies. I feel like this movie is not drastically worse than some of the worst super. Okay. So if you're going to talk about the, the new ones, like I hated the first Thor movie. Yeah. Like hated, hated, hated. And this is better than that. Wow. Like, I think Lamont Cranston is way more likable than Thor in the first movie. Interesting. Thor Ragnarok, no, that's way way better. Well, come on. Thor Ragnarok, come, come on. on. But um, that's a whole different tone, though. You know? Yeah, but that's what I'm just saying. I like when I first saw the first Thor movie, I did not like it at all, mm-hmm. and I hated the character. I hated so much about it, and I didn't feel this way with this movie at all. Mm-hmm. I think his character. Definitely, you can see the evolution of his character. Like you mentioned, he does have that... He does seem like two completely different people from like the very beginning of the movie to the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. And he does kind of become that force for good, vigilante kind of guy. But, I don't know, maybe... You know, with Batman, you kind of see the... He also fights, like, minor criminals. Uh-huh. I feel like in this movie, he does a little bit of that. Like, he mm-hmm. kind of fights those guys on the bridge. And he does, like, minor crime fighting until, like, the big bad shows up. Mm-hmm. 
But yeah, we didn't like get really get to see much of the the vigilante shadow sure. or the yeah. you know like what he does in well, his like spare you said, time. <laughs> this movie needed more exposition. Obviously, you were pretty confused about stuff. I wasn't. I mean, I I'm sure if it. I watched it again, I would pick up on things I missed the first time. Right. But I mean, and also not missing those minor details didn't really detract from the overall experience of the movie. Uh-huh. Like it was still fun to watch. It was still entertaining, think- but you know, I feel like I just more could have been explained. Sure. Do you think it was kind of cool? They had like this network of people who work for him. Like he saves their lives. Yeah. And like, oh, if I ever come to you, you know, I need help. Like, yeah. So me. he, he saves this one guy who is a, Doctor? He's a scientist. Yeah, he's like a scientist, physics professor or something. Scientist, physics guy. And they like present one of his other entourage, <laughs> the shadow, like presents it. They all wear this like red ring that like beeps and lights up like like a, oh, like, a like the red phone in all the movies right. that yeah. calls the superhero. So yeah, it's like the, oh, hey, if, if this lights up and beeps, it means I'm calling you. Right. Um, yeah, that's definitely a very, like, pulpy thing yeah, sure. to have it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it was interesting to see, because, like, at the psychiatric hospital at the end, when the bad guy is imprisoned and mm-hmm. doesn't have his powers anymore, the doctor that's there is wearing the red ring, right. so you know that he's one of the Shadows guys, and he has, like, cops on his, in his little club, and, um, he definitely has it worked out. Right. So he he's not like the the vigilante where the cops are calling for him to be arrested. He's definitely got some cops on his payroll. Yeah. So just Which is, to... it's kind of fun to I guess have a character that kind of toes that line between criminal mastermind and force for good because right. he is able to do both essentially. Well, and I, and, and... <laughs> You know, I mean, people love Batman because he's a very interesting character because that vigilante character that he he is, is, is he toes that line, right? And, yeah. And he's, and especially contrasted with Superman, who is this kind of the Boy Scout and, you know, only morally, like, very rigid. Yeah. Um, and I feel like, yeah, to some degree that, that presents itself here. Certainly this movie is not without flaws. I feel like, do you see a potential for, like, a pretty good hero movie in here i think i honestly they really could remake this movie oh i agree and do a great job especially when one i mean some people have like are over superhero movies right now but especially with so many darker heroes coming out right now so you have venom you have Mm -hmm. deadpool you have those you know more and whatever that new one coming out is, Morbius or whatever the heck. Um, Like, I feel like, how cool would this movie be if you made it rated R? Yeah. Like, it would be awesome. Yeah. You just go super dark with it? Yeah. I mean, it's already gritty and dark because it's like the 1930s. Like, you're like, oh, we probably won't ever see a rated R Batman, but we could see an R-rated version of this. You could totally see an R-rated Shadow. Right. So here's a couple of uh, scores for other similar movies that I just like to throw out there just to kind of give some context to this film. Okay. So I mentioned The Rocketeer. Which I believe is not a good movie. It's I don't think it holds up very well. <laughs> and it's also based on like old, you know, movie serials, you know, that you saw. Yeah. You see every 
you know, episode with different movies coming out. Um, that has a 6.5 on IMDb. I'm not looking up all the Rotten Tomatoes. I'm just kind of going with well, what. Well, then with, we don't use IMDb here. <sighs> okay. I'm going to use IMDb <laughs> here just to, because people are voting on it. This is kind of more like That's what true. viewers who like movies and care and stuff, what they think. That's it's true. Not, so just kind of ignoring what critics thought in the time. Okay. Just what people nowadays, now that the internet has come along and retroactively looking back, what people say. So this movie has a 6.1. Okay. Which is not great, but it's not awful. It's better than 5. Rocketeer is a 6.5. That was 1991. So same era of, you know, let's, like, hey, let's, before you had superheroes coming along for the last 10 years, it was, hey, let's reboot, let's do all these, you know, old-timey things from when, you know, the baby boomers were kids and now they're all in their 40s, right? Yes. Okay. Green Hornet, that came out this decade. That also is kind of that same era of, yeah. you know, you have this vigilante, you know, normal guy, right? I'm, I haven't seen it, so I don't know if he has any powers. Oh, I've he's seen, like a rich he does guy. not have powers. He's okay. just rich. He's just rich and wants and to be And his a butler slash driver. Yeah, knows martial arts. And knows martial arts. <laughs> okay, so that, and that had Seth Rogen. That has a 5.8 on yeah. IMDb. Um, so again, like kind of, that's worse. Yeah. Um, the Phantom. Oh, uh-huh. Which also came out in the 90s and also is based on, like, old pulpy stuff. Who was the Phantom? It was, uh, Billy Zane? Billy Zane. Yeah. Uh, that movie has, like, a 4.9? Let me just double check here. Yeah, 4.9. Yeah. So, and actually, 42% on Rotten Tomatoes. So if you were to say, oh, the critics, based on critic reviews, we can't even watch the Phantom because <laughs> it's not bad enough. But I guarantee you, having, again, grown up in the 90s, watching these films, I've seen The Phantom <laughs> several times, more times than once or twice. Don't you have a t-shirt from The Phantom? No. Oh, no, okay. The Phantom. Oh. <laughs> that movie's not good, and it does not hold up. It is cheesy as F. <laughs> the Shadow is a much better movie, and I actually feel like, I do feel like The Shadow kind of holds up. I don't necessarily, I'm not going to say like, oh yeah, it's amazing, go watch it. Like, you, I can't believe you've never seen it, but... No, I mean, if you, I, just looking back from the perspective of, I remember this movie when I was a kid, yeah, it holds up. It's still okay. I think it was an okay movie back then. I think it's an okay movie now. I definitely see the potential, what could have been with it, and um, it would have been interesting to see a, you know, different vision. I and can totally see them remaking it and remaking Especially, it. I mean, one, it's been like 25 years. Right. And... Hollywood is just rebooting everything well, now, so at, why not? Look at the whole, like, Tom Cruise mummy where they wanted to, like, launch the dark... Oh, yeah, the... the, the what was it? The universal dark universe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I could totally see... Not that this is, would be a part of that, but this would be similar, like, where other studios saying, hey, we want to compete with Disney and all these Marvel and Star Wars things. What do we got? And whoever owns the rights to this could be like, well, we could reboot this Shadow thing. It's kind of like... Batman light, except we could go super dark with it. Yeah, that could be cool. Yeah. Well, and that's what people think they're doing with Morbius, which I literally just heard about today, mm -hmm. is that, I mean, the studio was successful with doing Venom, fairly successful. I mean, it wasn't critically well-received, but it was commercially and audience-wise well-received. Uh -huh. um, and it's like, yeah, we have all these other like lesser-known anti-heroes why don't we make a movie about them? The Shadow is universal. That's funny. Oh, so there you I go. So it actually would even fit in with their like, dark universe. 
And, I mean, you hated the Tom Cruise version of The Mummy. Oh, that was, movie was I awful. liked it. I tried to cover it for this podcast, and he shot that right down. I'm not watching it again. <laughs> no, because we could just, we could talk about it right now. It's awful. Don't watch it. We, we did talk about it when yeah, we did our Mummy episode. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that <laughs> was your, your shtick then. You have not changed. Um, but, yeah, I think, I think it definitely deserves another shot. I mean, I couldn't say who would play the shadow. <laughs> But I think it would certainly be an interesting story to see kind of modernized and given a more, this might a be, less campy, more hard R twist. This might be crazy. And he's not like an amazing actor because he kind of just plays the same character and is kind of wooden. But Don't say Ansel Elgort. <laughs> no. Okay. No, I was going to say, I could totally see like Charlie Hunnam yeah. in this role. Yeah. You know? Because he's, he's handsome, and he could definitely pull off the, you know, the, the he already Bruce Wayne kind of like the persona. The bad guy who didn't necessarily want to be bad. Like, oh, and Sons of Anarchy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, he would definitely, he'd be interesting. Um, I'm sure there's plenty of other guys, but, I mean, if Robert Pattinson can be Bruce Wayne, right? Yeah. So yeah. this movie does hold up for you. I think it does. I was actually surprised, for the record. Okay. I was surprised it held up. I was surprised that I wasn't like, oh my gosh, this is so cheesy. How did I like this as a kid? I guarantee you, if I watched The Phantom, I would be like, I can't believe I loved this movie when I was like <laughs> 11 years old. Right? But this movie, I was actually like, huh, you know, it's not amazing. The plot is very, very simple and formulaic. Not a lot happens. But it's true. I feel like this could do with a few more, like, big action scenes. Like, he should confront the villain. He does confront the villain, but nothing really happens. They just kind of talk. Like, the villain just shows up at his house and is like, Hey, what's up? You know, you're the butcher. Like, you're awesome. And he's like, yeah, um, F you, dude. Like, I'm good now and you're evil. Like, we're not friends. Yeah. And then he's just like, fine, see ya. And that's kind of it. And that happens, like, once or twice. Yeah. Right? It would have been cooler if there had been more action the way that, like, in Batman, the original Batman film, every time he runs in with the Joker, the Joker kind of pulls a fast one on him and almost kills him or tries to trap him or whatever and then gets away. Mm -hmm. It would have been cool for a little bit more of that kind of comic book cat and mouse shenanigans with deadly consequences, right? I mean, it'd be interesting, too, because, I mean, with these two characters... They're not physical fighters. Right. You know, they're, they're, they more win their battles by like psyching the other person out or confusing the other person or making it so that like the villain guy literally just makes people kill themselves. Like that's his shtick. Yeah, that's true. Um, He does that sometimes in the movie. Yeah. Whereas when uh, the shadow is fighting people, he is, he's more confusing them so that they can get arrested like he doesn't right. just kill people <laughs> yeah so in, but i feel like seeing these two fight wouldn't work as well because they would just be like in psych when sean is always just like pointing at his head while like <laughs> squinting at stuff uh-huh. it would be a lot of that i feel like. so do you feel like if they made a new version of this film you would want to see it instead of just telepathy maybe step into the Doctor Strange kind of level, like with the Inception type sets no, where they're I mean, like I'm just thinking... distorting reality and like actually like 
I mean, that kind of stuff? Uh, yeah, I mean, like, if the villain can go so far as to literally hypnotize an entire city to think that a building isn't there... Right. Why couldn't they do cool stuff like that? No, I agree. Yeah. And that's maybe another reason why this movie was, like, ahead of, too far ahead... Or, like, you know, it came too soon. Yeah, made too early. Like, like the maybe... Star Wars movies. Like, he couldn't make one, two, and three because the technology just wasn't there yet. Well, kind of... Not even the technology, but just... I mean, to some degree, yeah, it would be cool. And, I mean, when I saw Doctor Strange, my first thought was, this was inspired... I mean, this... this They could do a lot of this stuff because Inception really created some of these techniques. Right. Right? And... Same thing, the Matrix, like, created a lot of new, like, special effects and camera angle techniques. Right. And so, Doctor Strange, I feel like, benefited because Inception was like, whoa, what if we did all this crazy stuff and the sets are all, whoa, you know? Mm -hmm. And I could totally see this film, yeah, benefiting from that again and being like, oh, what if we had all these cool things that the the bad guy and the hero could do and, you know, they could use their mind powers. It wouldn't so much be like sorcery like Doctor Strange. Yeah. But it would be a lot of how how you change people's perception and mess with their mind and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, and unfortunately this just came out before CGI, like, really wasn't... I mean, it was in its very early days. Mm-hmm. Like, this was before Toy Story. Yeah. You know, which was really <laughs> the first, like, example of, like, major computer animation when it comes to an animated film. Um, you know, CGI back in the 90s was, like, really bad. Like, it was obvious. It was, like, bad Star Trek, you know, You know what CGI monsters. holds up? Jurassic Park. Because <laughs> it's not CGI. Some of it is. Is it? Okay. Aren't, like, the, the big oh. wide shots of the brontosaurus? Brontosauri? Those uh, are CGI. Maybe. There's a couple of spots with the raptors, I think, in the kitchen that are CGI that look a little bit yeah. more fake. But yeah. Certainly. Um... So yeah, so Hollywood, if you're listening, which you're probably not. Um, hey, sometimes they do. Let's make, uh, I want to see Charlie Hunnam in a reboot of The Shadow. It doesn't have to be Charlie Hunnam, but that's just a suggestion. Oh, he's, what's he doing? <laughs> um, <laughs> Making Amazon actually, Prime original he was movies. in that, he's in that movie that came out like this week or this past, a couple weeks ago. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Whatever. No, the gentleman that we were just talking no, about. Just, you're just like, we were not talking about the gentleman. We saw an ad for it, and you were like, I haven't even heard of this Not movie. on here. No, no, not on here. In real life. Just... In real life, we were talking about a movie that yeah, it's like we a, saw it... a trailer for The Gentleman, like a commercial, and we were like, how have heard... we never heard of this right. movie? Like, everyone famous is in it, and it comes out in like a week. <laughs> okay. So anyway, he's doing Guy Ritchie films, but <laughs> so Charlie Hunnam in an R-rated shadow, like with really awesome newfangled like Inception CGI, Inception level powers, like, special effects and mind powers, like that would be awesome. Go do it. <laughs> uh, once again, thank you for listening to this week's episode of One Star Bazaar. As always, you can reach out to us on social media to let us know what you think at One Star Bazaar. If you want to know, let us know what you'd like us to review next. That would be great. We're always taking suggestions. Do we get very many suggestions from people? Sometimes. Or do we just get more of like people answer your polls? And you're I like, do Twitter polls. Yeah. And then sometimes people do suggest things. And I say, no, thank you. So, sometimes <laughs> people suggest movies that are good. Yeah. And we're, we're like, like, stick with the criteria. <laughs> not good stuff. Which maybe at some point we will watch a few of these good movies just because we want to explore like how movies are made. But. Yes, some of our special request movies this season are actually movies better than our standards. So (laughs) So we'll have to look at that, but I'm not promising anything. Join us next week as we watch a reboot starring 
a Brat Pack bad boy turned Hollywood Never. darling. Just turned. Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> turned you don't need to be all Maven. mysterious about who he is. Starring Robert Downey Jr. in Doolittle. 